Trago's supposed to be here. He's somewhere else. I don't know where he is. But uh, I, I took him on the phone just because, you know what? I, I like him, so I took him on the phone. So he's not here. He's supposed to be sitting next to me, but I don't really care. I don't need to look at him anyway. So uh, Trago joins me now. Uh, I've, I've seen him a couple of days on his. Uh, you guys are just, I mean, you your show, the day I saw your show, you were jumping around. You guys were jumping around like kangaroos in front of a live audience at 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what are they doing? I mean, you know, you, you had a live audience wherever you were, and you all were jumping into the audience. And I said, this is 7 o'clock in the morning. What, what, what are we doing here? We, we're stuck in a, in a box in New York City in a little studio. We never get to interact with actual human beings. So when they let us out of our cages, we were nuts. But Mike, right now I'm out here. I'm, I'm not at Radio Row because I'm going to sit down. With Sean McVay last week, and I'm buttoning up some of the stuff that's going to air on Sunday on NFL Network. And I got to tell you, Mike, you know McVay's what time is it? What time is it on? It's on at two thirty Eastern, and it re-airs again right before kickoff. I think over on NFL Network, but yeah, NFL the, uh, kickoff. You're in trouble. Early two thirty is a good one to plug because it, kickoff. It's hard to be on anything except CBS at kickoff. So you got to get it early. So two thirty is a good time. All right, this has been your guy all year. You know what? You were you were on the Rams. Last week, okay. First, let me get you. Get you now, you've been around the Rams all year. You've been talking the Rams up. You talked them up before the Saint game. You, you've been on McVeigh all year. Uh, to be fair, um, tell me this: How much of a conversation, or did they just not want to hear about it? Was the call? Is it something that has been? So a topic of conversation with them, or have they just like, let's not even bring it up? The first few days, it was, all right, we're above, you know, get in the fray. Let them come, let them do their thing. Let the league deal with it. We're just going to be happy. But over the last week, I'd say, with this story still lingering and Sean Payton still talking about it. And, and Breeze. And, How about and Breeze now? And, and Breeze and Breeze getting mad now. Breeze got on a plane, came to Atlanta to plug something, and then was went, went crazy. It. Went crazy, yeah. And so with all that going on, the message from the Rams, it doesn't come directly from Nick Bay, but I know all the guys in that organization. The message is, enough is enough. We were in New Orleans, down 13 points. We made the plays. You had the ball at overtime. There was also a situation where you had four possessions, over the fourth quarter and overtime, it scored three points. We could talk about it all we want. But let's not paint the fact that we did win that game and the Rams feel like they deserve to be here. And it almost. So now has it gotten to be a little bit of it? Has it gotten to be an annoyance for them? No, because the stories haven't been overwhelming with them. You know, the media stuff, it's big on the national scale, but when someone has a Rams player or a Rams executive in front of them, they're talking about the game. Right. But I do think the initial sting of it was all right, it'll blow over, but the fact. Then we went into the weekend. We got here Monday, Tuesday. Goodell was asked 30 questions about it on Wednesday. I think it's an annoyance, and I think they don't love the fact that instead of the story being Rams down 13, call a crazy fake punt, rally to win in a place where Peyton and Breeze have never lost in the postseason, the story has been a ref didn't throw a flag. And I will add this. That's the point that someone made, not one of the Rams guys, but someone that I trust in the league, saying the thought that these these refs were from Southern California. Oh, that's stupid. That's stupid, yeah. So these refs, okay, so one of these refs, the officials, was a 25-year veteran of being an official. So you're saying that they were they, they were there when they were in L.A., then the Rams moved to St. Louis, 
They moved all the way back to L.A., then called an entire game, and then the biggest moment of the NFC Championship in a game where the Saints were penalized more than the Rams, they decided not to throw the flag that they wanted to see the Southern California team. It was one of the dumbest things. Oh, yeah, I mean, but you're going to get the silliness. But, you know, I wondered if it would bother them because it's almost like the Rams are illegitimate and all this stuff, which is nonsense. I've said that all along. I mean, listen, we all know how bad the call was, but the bottom line is, you know what? It's not the Rams' fault. It's not the Rams' fault. They move on. I just wondered if they have gotten tired of it. So you say it hasn't been that big a a factor with them, you know, going forward, okay? Internally, it's annoying that that the story of the Super Bowl is, oh, poor Saints. And it's not, wow, what a great comeback win the Rams Gotcha. Had. All right, now tell me, you sitting down, You sat down. When did you sit down with the head coach? I sat with him last Friday. I flew up to L.A. for the whole day with him. We were in the facility all day. All right, now, he is this techno geek. We know that. He is this guy who's been this crazy preparer, savant thing. Now he's had what he's always dreamed of. He's had two weeks to prepare his team to go up against the, at worst, one of the top two or three coaches of all time, at worst, and the generational coach without any question. Uh, he gets a chance to go on against them on the grandest stage. Not unbeatable on the stage because they've been beat three times and they were fortunate in two other games, so they've been beaten the stage. But they're still here and they are the, they are the standard, the gold standard. He's had two weeks to... Do whatever he wants. You know, I just had Jerry Rice on, and I asked him about Walsh preparing. Did Walsh go crazy, and did he, you know, when he had two weeks, and he, his mind was going, and he said, no, we played our offense. It, do you get the idea that McVeigh is staying to what the Rams always do, or has he gone crazy with the extra time? I will tell you this. He was working all last week. Usually these guys, first couple of days, and you know you have to buy – Maybe take a moment, or they'll worry about tickets and all that stuff. I can tell you by Monday after that New Orleans game, he was watching tape, and he was grinding on this. I can't tell you if the game plan was fully baked by the end of the week when they got here, but I can tell you that it was in a pretty good place. They feel like they had the offensive game plan going. And what they pride themselves on is that you're going to see the same look just about every play. You're going to see the same look. It's going to be a running back. It's going to be two tight ends. Right. They're, they're going to play their. They're going to play their formation, which we know. They're going to play their personnel, which we know. They play more of that than anybody in the league, which we know. And they're very imaginative right out of it. Snap, yes. Right before the snap, here comes the jet sweep, all that stuff. So it's a bunch of misdirection. I would say this: McVay has as big a playbook of trick plays as Doug Peterson, as Parcells used to have, as Belichick has, or McDaniel's. They haven't really used that many. Of course, we saw the fake punts. But I would not be shocked if we saw a few plays that have not been seen yet that they've been saving for the big spot. I would also expect now. I, now McVeigh, I know, leaves the offense completely alone. I mean, he leaves it to Phillips. I would expect Phillips to be very aggressive in this game with the Pats. I agree. The, the Patriots don't have a real deep threat. I know Phillips Dorsett's got speed, but Josh Gordon was that big. Got to make him pass. throw it outside the numbers and down the field. You got to force him. And the other two teams, I saw Lynn last night, and he said, if we did one thing, I kicked myself for. He says, we did not come up and cover him close enough. I said, that, that was for sure. He said, and neither did Kansas City. That, that you got to get them and play them tight man to man. They don't see a lot of that. No, and, and you nailed it when, I, when you were talking before this. You can't fall behind 14 nothing. You gotta be in this game early with the Patriots because McDaniel's will bleed the clock. They'll do the third and six, third and seven conversion time and time again. So they know that they gotta jump out early. One cool note that I think you'll love here: 
uh, in the offseason, he called me McVay, and he said, I got a pretty cool deal coming up before the owners' meetings after the combine. I said, what do you got? And I'm going to the University of Georgia for a coach's clinic. And, I, you know, he's coach of the year in the NFL. I'm like, that doesn't sound that cool. He says, yeah, but it's me and Belichick. So the two of them went down to Georgia. Kirby Smart was obviously the head coach of Georgia. They did an entire clinic for all these high school and college coaches. And McVay said he picked Belichick's brain for 24 hours. Like, he was obsessed. He wanted to learn everything and get to know him. He became somewhat friendly. Obviously, there's a big generational gap here. But Belichick did throw McVay a couple texts during the season just saying, hey, way to go. Keep on going. There is a bit of camaraderie, but there's also this great respect. And I find it really interesting. And I don't want to look at it too storybook-wise. But is this... The old guard versus the young guard. Is the it, it can be. Listen, there's a there's a huge. There. Here's the bottom line. I mean, and, and we're talking with Peter Schrager, and you'll see him on NFL Network. You see him on Fox. He's got this McVeigh uh, uh, interview that you watch at 2:30 on NFL Network on Sunday. Here's the bottom line. There is no greater divide in sports between winning and losing this game. If McVeigh loses this game, it's back to the drawing board, and he's a nice young coach. If he wins this game. He is the new standard. He is the new reigning king of the NFL. That's what he is at his age. He already has a tree, which is ridiculous. But the difference he's going to find between winning and losing this game is astronomically large. If you win it, what I said, it's going to be McVeigh everywhere. If he loses it, it's going to be, you know what? Let me see it again next year, pal. You know, yeah. and then uh, and then what happens is, well, when are you going to win one? When are you going to win one? But sure. right right now, he has a chance to ascend to being the next great coach in America with a win. I'll give you a good story. Two years ago, when he just got the job, he was in New York, and I went up and met up with him. We went to like Artichoke Pizza on 14th Street. It is a nondescript place. Not a person recognized him in the in the world. Thirty people were walking by. Not a person even glimpsed and knew who the heck he was. This year, he's got the Super Bowl coming up. He's got a girlfriend. Her name is Veronica. They live together. She is a wonderful girl. I think if he wins this game, not only is he going to be famous, she will be trending the next morning. Suddenly it becomes Today Show, Good Morning America. You become an international head of superstar. If you lose this game, you're exactly right. You're in the same boat as every other coach. Absolutely. Losing this game is a huge blemish. Then it becomes, when do you win one? And the second time you lose this game and you haven't won it, now you're a choke artist. I mean, that's what it comes to. This game doesn't doesn't define you. This game either elevates you and propels you to enormous, enormous success, or it beats you to death. And there's no other game like it. It, it, Losing the World Series, not the same. Losing the NBA Finals, not the same. Losing this game, I mean, I had Coach say to me, hey, I took a team to the Super Bowl. Why does anybody care? I said, because you lost. You come here and lose, and it's a blemish. You might as well lose in the NFC title game because coming here and losing is worse than coming here and not not at all. It actually is a negative when you come here and lose. And he is the guy who has gotten so much attention. The idea of rub elbows with him and you're going to be a head coach. The fact that his young coaches are becoming head coaches already. I mean, the, the way people tease him, the way they talk about him. He will be propelled like we haven't seen. I mean, he will be a... He will be... On the, he will be the next young king 
He will be you the king. Uh, you know that? Absolutely the king in America of young coaching. Uh, he will be the next great guy. He'll be the only one under 50 who will be on that same level with the great, you know, with the Popoviches and Krzyzewskis and yeah. Belichicks. And, uh, he will be on that level in his early 30s with a victory. It's a cool, there's a cool note with him that I, I was doing research. I was curious. So he's 33 right now. Belichick was 33. I love this. When McVeigh was born, the day he was born, January 26th, Belichick was 33. It was one week removed from when the 85 Giants lost to the Bears in the wild card round. I was there. I was there. That was it. That was when McVeigh was born. I was standing on the sideline. Coldest day I ever remember in the NFL. Coldest day. And that was then. Now this is it. And I'll say that I'm friendly with a lot of coaches. Now McVeigh's more my speed because I'm in my late 30s. He's in his early 30s. We have a lot in common. But I could tell you, a lot of these older quote-unquote coaches, the guys in their 50s, the guys in their late 40s, the guys who are coordinators and didn't get an opportunity, trust me, for all the love fest that Sean McVay... Oh, they're jealous. They're jealous. You've never seen a more hated... More, more. Oh, hey, listen! I hear it all the time. I, I've These heard it all were the time. Beside themselves that, that they didn't get head coaching interviews. That Zach Taylor, a 35-year-old quarterback coach who was the OC at the University of Cincinnati two years ago, is going to be the head coach of the Bengals. Hey, there's and people this, who want to see him get his head handed to him. People out there in this league, and it is as competitive as it gets, want to see him lose by 40. No question, because listen, they can't do anything to Belichick anymore. He's untouchable. I mean, he's untouchable, okay? There's a lot of people who don't like Belichick. It doesn't matter. He's already a god. They can't do anything to him. He's, he's won too many times. You get to a point where it doesn't matter anymore. You can't do anything to him. The you know, when you've had that level of success for that many years, there's nothing you can do. But you're right. There is enormous, enormous jealousy towards McVeigh. Absolutely. People are like, what is this all about? I've had people say to me, this is so overblown. It's ridiculous. I said, you know what? We'll see. Because I got to tell you. And I told Westhoff this. Westhoff called me right as soon as he got in his car, and he was so incensed by the call because he's like, I've coached 650 games in this league, and that was going to be my first trip to the Super Bowl, and I don't know if I'm ever going. And he was nuts, okay, nuts. Yeah. Uh, and I said, you know, the one thing, though, I said, that kid, at, you know, he said, we could have put the game away. I said, I know early. He talked about the fake punt. I said, weren't you ready for the fake punt? He says, absolutely, we were ready for it. We knew he was going to do it, blah, 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 blah. He gave me the whole road now. But the bottom line is, I said, that kid coached, I call him a kid. I said, that kid coached a great game from 13 down. He coached a great, not a good game, a great game from 13 down. And he did. He coached an incredible game. And listen. I understand they should. Sean screwed up. He screwed up when he didn't run. When he ran, didn't run a ball. When on first down, he screwed up because that when when Ginn made the catch, the game was over. Game should have been over then. He should never have thrown the ball on first down. And that's what Breeze should be upset about, not the call. Breeze should be upset about on the RPO on first down. He hit the guy in the foot. I mean, that's what he should be upset about because that should have. Well, been we'll never run. we'll never know what happened there. But the way the play went, the pass to Thomas that you're referring to. I wonder if Drew made that call at the line. You don't know. No, he Those didn't. Was- no, I, I actually know what happened. I, they actually, the third down play, you mean? Yeah. The third down play, because I talked to uh, the, uh, the coaches about it. The third down play, uh, the first down play was a run-pass option. And they had the guy wide open and drew, uh, and drew through the ball and hit him in the foot. The third down, they knew they had to pass it now. What they did is they knew who they were going to double cover. 
they moved both guys that they doubled, and they doubled both guys. They put them inside and then hid the receiver behind the tackle and then brought him out on the wheel. It was a design play the whole time. It was a called play. They said, we know it's going to be a walk-in touchdown. He said on the sideline, we're calling it that it's going to be a walk-in touchdown. And they said they had designed the play the whole time, and they got exactly the look they wanted, and they thought they had a walk-in touchdown. So he said it was called the whole way, the whole way, the, uh, the whole time. You're throwing the ball in the biggest spot of the season of Tommy Lee Lewis? Yeah, on third down, absolutely. It was set up that way because they were doubling the other guys, and I'm he said you, wide like, open. Lewis, line, listen, dude. I don't know enough season about him. Line, throwing the ball to Tommy Lee hey, Lewis? The, if, if I watched him catch it 20 times in practice, why not? I mean, they, they said they uh, – Westhoff told me they ran that play in practice five times on, on the day before the game. So, I mean, he, that was something they had set up. They said they were waiting for it. They set it up. And they knew that they would double the ins- the guys, and they took them both inside, and they had the play they wanted. So, hey, bottom line is it was a penalty. We know that. That's not yeah. the point, though. The Rams did a great job. And I'll tell you, God, the quarterback did a great job because he was, he, so was, good. he was not afraid. You know, the only time I saw him afraid was on the play before the, the field goal. He was afraid to go take it down the middle because he was afraid to get sacked. So he was yeah, afraid and- to take it down the middle. And I saw even... McVay say to him, you know, wait, you had him wide open down the middle. I mean, yeah. you know, but he was afraid, God forbid, I get sacked and we lose the game. So he was afraid. He was afraid to hold the ball, which I can understand. I mean, I definitely can understand it. Otherwise, I thought in the playoffs, he made a lot. He made some great throws off play action. And I thought he made a lot of good throws. I really was impressed by him. And I don't think he's a great quarterback, but I think he made some really good throws. You know what? He's, he's got a great, great arm. He throws the ball well. But when you see him get interviewed and you talk to him directly, He's kind of got that California, uh, like almost like, is there anything upstairs? But everyone there in the building says there is a lot upstairs. He is smart. He is a leader. I'll take their word for it. But yeah, he's not going to win you over with a quote. He's certainly not going to blow you away with his personality. It's kind of that California aloof deal. Have you seen any tightness in the Rams? I haven't. I was there all day Friday. Aaron Donald was on fire, ready to go. Wade Phillips was chuckling like they feel pretty good. I think they've got enough veteran guys. And there's only four of them that have played in Super Bowls. But those four are important guys. And it's guys like Aqib Tlaib. Well, he, you know, he is enormous in the game. Tlaib is, huge. I opened the show with it. Tlaib is enormously important, and enormously important in the game. Tlaib has got to have a big game. If Tlaib yeah. has a big game, it's a big step in the right direction. Listen, everyone knows what's going to happen with Sue. Sue's going to get opportunities because they're going to double Donald. And you know yep. that. Sue's going to get opportunities, and he can be good, he can be bad. We know that. Tlaib is incredibly important in this game. And Tlaib's a tremendous player, and he's, incredib- he's incredibly important in this game. Absolutely, enormously important. And they gotta. the Rams have got to do something to keep White from catching 14 or 15 passes. How do you stop I mean, him? You got. You got to. You've got to. You've got to stop acting like he is a safety valve and letting him release because it becomes a point of no return. I mean, my God, he can't let him catch fifteen passes. That's the problem, though. If you assign someone to him, you're leaving the open in the middle of the field for Gronk. Make him throw the ball out. Make him throw the ball down the field. What I would do if I am Wade. I am going to make now. Obviously, I'm not going to go. I'm going to do some stunts and some loops and some tricks. I'm going to bring my speed guys inside at times. I'm going to mix things up. As Merciless was here with me yesterday and told me, 
Got to mix things up. And I think I asked him if the power or the speed works better against the Pats. He said the power with speed works much better than the power. Uh, I, I mixed that up, and I'm not going to blitz him a whole lot because if he catches you in a blitz, it's over, and he'll catch you. So the, you don't you don't want to blitz a ton. But the thing I'm going to do is I am going to be very aggressive in coverage. I'm going to play a lot of man, and I am going to force them to go where he doesn't want to go. And if you look, draw a box. Tom doesn't go outside the numbers, and he doesn't go down the field very often. And you know what? Make him do that. Make him do that. Yeah. You know, Brady hasn't been sacked all playoffs. Not what? He's thrown in all but one ball inside the t- inside the tackle box. It's crazy. 89 and 90 passes released inside the tackle box. It's crazy. He hasn't been touched. He's been hit three times in, in both games. And, Boza and said, Boza I mean, said, they said Boza said to him once, could you hold it one time so I can get here? Um, can't get to you. And then he went on the sidelines. He was mic'd up. He said, that guy's amazing. He can't. Well, he gets rid of the ball within two seconds. But you know what? You can't have guys open five yards down the field because then he's always going to get rid of it within two seconds. I think there's another cool little storyline with this one because McVay is the boy genius and all this stuff. McDaniel's is sitting over there with five Super Bowl rings at the age of 42. I think there's a little bit of uh, on the Patriots side. I know they're not playing the underdog card that everyone is laughing about, but I do think there is a bit of a hey, boy genius. I've been the offensive coordinator here. Bunch of times I've been to the playoffs ten times, and for fifteen years I've been with Tom Brady. We've done some pretty good things ourselves. Yeah, but you know what? He's got some blemishes already. Yeah. And you yeah. know your and and your good buddy over there doesn't, and that's why his ascendancy is outrageous, and he is going to be. People are going to get sick of him in a hurry if he wins this oh. game. They are going right. to get because he is going to be. He is going to be the most heralded guy in this league since the emergence of Bill Walsh, <laughs> whose nickname was what? The Genius. The Genius. Yes. So, and that bothered everybody. So, yeah. Um, yeah bothered everybody. But the bottom line is, okay, uh, then they'll be taking shots. They'll be trying to get him. But he is going to be the gold standard. It's set up, but also the fall, if they get their, if they get their lunch, the fall is going to be ugly. I don't see the Patriots getting blown out. Well, first of all, eight times, eight times in the game, they've never had an edge in the game. Every one of the games have been close. Every single one, either way, have been close. It's been one possession every game, and I think three points or less in eight and nine. And they've all been close games at the line of scrimmage. They've all been close games all the way. That's what they've all been. I don't see. I don't see the Patriots ever getting blown out. I could see the Rams getting. No, I don't see the. I don't see the Pats getting. Listen, the Pats got blown out and should have gotten blown out. The Falcons blew them out of the building. I mean, out of the building. And you know, it's funny. I had a couple of guys on from that game. Yeah. And they said the Falcons came out and played completely differently than they prepared for. They were absolutely out of their element the entire whole first half because they had prepared for the wrong thing the entire two weeks. How about that? And at halftime they said, listen, let's calm down, let's get our bearings, and let's get back in the game. And he said, I said, why did it get so bad? He said, it got so bad because we prepared for something and and they came out and played us completely differently. Halftime adjustments, 30 minutes. Go for it. But they messed up the clock, otherwise they win. You know, we all know that. I mean, they, if, if, when Julio caught the ball on the sideline, even, to, even deep backs who were in the game said to me yesterday, Julio, if they, if they run the ball after that, we lose. Yeah, you know? Kyle, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan was yeah. doing the round today 
promoting something, and I'm looking and I'm saying, God, Kyle's back in Atlanta, and how many times are they going to ask him about 28-3? Please. They haven't gotten over that here. I'm telling you, they have not gotten over it. I even said to Arthur Blank, have you gotten over it? He said, yes. I don't buy it. I don't think they've gotten it over it at all. I don't think. I don't know if you get over that until you win. Tough. It really huh? is. Well, listen, enjoy. Enjoy. Uh, so, go, wait a second. I know you're picking the Rams, but give me a score. 33-27. The golden boy, Sean McVay, hoist the Lombardi. <laughs> Listen, you've been on the bandwagon, so stay there. You've Gotta been on the bandwagon. See you later. You're the best. So long. Peter Schrager, you get him on NFL Network. Ian McVay obviously have built a relationship, so I'm sure he's got a very interesting look at him. You can get that on the NFL Network Sunday at 2.30. Still plenty of time to switch over to CBS and watch all their stuff for five hours before the game starts. You know, when I when I'm home for the game, I usually start to get in there around three o'clock. I can't take more than that. I mean, about three o'clock, I'll start to put it on in the house and then start to look at it a little bit. Before that, I can't get there. I can't start at twelve. It's too early. I can't. I can't. I can't it's, it's too long. It's just too long. You know. Uh, you know, three o'clock, four o'clock. You know, right around there, you start to get 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 in the mood. And obviously, you know, everyone's somewhere having a party. Enjoy. Back after this.